for Truth with a Texas Twain, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff women store in their hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is Luke 2.19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, Home Instead Senior Care is our sponsor. I want to mention that they provide trustworthy, kind-hearted senior home care services in your loved one's home. At Home Instead, it's all about providing the highest quality home care services to fit you and your family's needs. And we are so grateful for today's guest. I I have the privilege, just the beautiful privilege, of welcoming Danny Sessoms to our show. Danny is a scholar. I gave his bio on another episode, episode we did called Growing Up a History Nerd with Danny Sessoms. Danny, I'm not even going to go into all your bio this time. If people want to know all the amazing accomplishments in your life, they're going to have to go listen to that other segment because I really want to carve out the time. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for inviting I have so many questions because I know what a great storyteller you are. I think I want to start with as much as you are an egghead and like the antebellum expert on Texas Civil War history, I also know you're a lot of fun and you make history fun. And so that's what I want to know. How do we make history fun for our kids so they love it and love the stories from history? So I'm going to begin with an easy question for you and then we're going to get into that. What is your favorite? See, Danny does reenactments all the time. In fact, he's doing a documentary, and he's going to pull in some of his reenactment friends. So, Danny, what's your favorite reenactment character you've ever done? Well, I have played the role of an Irishman, and at many of the events that I went to over the years, I would interact on what we call a first-person impression. And Mm -hmm. so I would talk with my audience. I'd introduce myself. As an Irishman, born in County Cork on the 1st of April, that's All Fool's Day, in 1828. But I moved to Texas during the potato famine of 49. I've lived here so long, I've completely lost my native accent. <laughs> I'm so tempted to join you in my Irish. <laughs> we had crafe, of course, that's Swedish. So I try to start with a, cra- with a Swedish accent. I end up in Irish every time. <laughs> What it does is it leads me into being able to explain to them that the Irish fought for the North during the Civil War, or war between the states. Irishmen fought for the South during that period of time. Native Americans, or what I call Indian from my childhood, fought for the North, and they fought for the South. There were men in the South who couldn't support the South, and they went to the North and fought for the North, and vice versa. Thousands of men from the north came to the south and fought for the southern states during that period of time. So it's not easy to sit down and 
budgetized categorically all of these people and what motivated them, what made them do what they wanted to do. And capitalized on that first-person impression, when mm-hmm. I taught Little Darlings from 18 to 85 in the college classroom, I injected humor because humor is the single thread that locks an audience member into your lecture. And when you oh. can make them laugh, you can make them want to know more. I love it. I've been told that by great pastors, too. I have some really good guys that give me advice on how to how to engage an audience when you speak. And they they say the same thing that and then they I'm even told that it releases endorphins. But and I will tell you, accidentally, I'm very funny. I don't mean to be, but I just am like I trip over things and stuff. So my kids grew up laughing. And that may be why they love history as much as they do all three of them. Well, I tell you what, if you, if you teach people to want to learn and it's the collegiate level, I would take their ordinary vocabulary and I would begin to substitute words that I knew were not part and particle to their conversational skills. Mm-hmm. Instead of war, I'd use the word imbroglio and I'd always have a <laughs> look up all of a sudden and startle the like and I would say, look that up in the dictionary. Use it in your conversation, and you know what? It'll be a part of you now. I love it. You know, I did the same thing with my son. I told him, you don't have to insult people using inappropriate words. You can just pick out a nice big word they've never heard before. Insult the heck out of them, and they won't even know what you're saying. If you must do that, at least at least do it in, <laughs> with big vocabulary. That was my advice to him. How bad is I don't know if I'm a great mom, but... Anyway, I get where you're coming from. It does get people's attention. And what a great teaching moment with your kids in school. I don't want to forget to mention, you are married to a romance novelist. And and I asked her this morning if she minded me giving her whole name over air. Her name is Olivia Harden. And and she is now using C.H. Sessoms as well, S-E-S-S-U-M-S. I love her writing. It is romance novels, and so your writing is interesting to me, Danny, because I love history so much. I couldn't, and I love Texas history. I couldn't wait to get your books, and it is your books are filled with all this factual data. And then, because I'm a reporter, I love this. You you wove in all these personal stories, even quotes from all the first source reading you've done, all the documents, letters, everything you've collected over the years in museums and all across the state, you've done all this great research, pulled it together in two volumes. I mean, they are some of the best books. And I know it's because Candace is such a great writer herself. I want to mention that because I know I have people who are listening who are probably writers so some of the topics, if I were writing the SEO for your books, it would include antebellum, Texas, Midwest, Civil War, Pioneer, Uncommon War Stories. Like these are not the typical stories you read in other books. If you need to create characters that have any of those uh, qualities or history in, with the character, if you're a reenactor or a museum curator, you're going to want these two books on your shelf. And so I just want to thank you for getting that history I did, I've done some of that in myself in my journalism career. I've created stories just in order to save oral history that was not in on record anywhere. 
And I know how important it is to gather that all into one spot for people, Danny. That's a major thing you've accomplished. It is very time, and I hope that my students, and from time to time, I will still, over the years, get an occasionally either phone call or an email or, you know, some sort of a contact from somebody who said, I thought you were a tough teacher then, but now if I look back on it, I realize that you were indeed a teacher. And, man, that is a remarkable compliment. Yeah. Um, you know what I like about that is always my hardest teachers were the ones I ended up loving the best because they really had a passion for their stuff. And there's no doubt at all that you have a passion for this segment of history. And then you've gone another mile and made uh, pulling together and documenting the Texas piece of this like a life work for yourself. And all the while you were doing things like helping Hollywood producers with uh, technical help with their productions, and you've been done reenactments. I mean, you just make history look like fun, and it is fun. And because you are so good at capturing the stories, I think that really helps. So now when we think about kids and raising children who love history as well, you said humor was one of your big suggestions, and I like the idea of dressing up. What else would you suggest for young parents to keep an eye open to make sure their kids love history? Well, oh, we have we have three minutes, by the way, to the break, so we'll we'll get we'll keep talking about this, but get us started. Okay, when kids are young, and if two people like history, little kids and old people like you and I, I mean, uh, me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> unfortunately, oftentimes. Kids grow away from history. They find it unfashionable, not sporting, or what have you, or they've gotten a hold of a bad teacher or whatever, and they drift away from it. And then gradually, as they get older, all of a sudden they begin to realize, you know what? I'm fast becoming a part of history. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, you start talking to a younger person about driving a car like I did out in the Texas Panhandle, and it didn't, they didn't have the same kinds of engines in those days. They didn't have the type of gasoline that we have today, you know. And, and if you take that just further back and further back, you start talking about people who, before the days of what we know as the Cowboys, people referred to themselves as stockmen, S-T-O-C-T-M-E-N. They raised livestock, okay? And in the mm-hmm. post that's what would lead to the cowboy tradition that permeated the state. Mm-hmm. I love that. And see, my son was so infatuated with that immediately post-war era with the cowboys. He just loved that and still does and knows quite a bit about it. But we did focus on the stories. And I think for me, one of the big things was I've never been good at remembering dates because they're numbers. And so that was a problem for me. I had to learn history based on the stories. We have about a minute to the break. So I don't want to forget to say this. Danny has a website. You can get his books there. It's Danny, S-E-S-S-U-M-S dot com. And you can also, I'll be sending out a blog with this these podcasts in it. And so you can find my stuff at Kathy, C-A-T-H-Y, Crafty, K-R-A, F is in Frank, V is in Victor, E as in Edward.com. And there you can find lots more about Danny and, and 
how to get his books and the links and all that. So stay with us when we come back. I'm going to keep picking his brain about how to how to help our kids love history. And I have a bunch of ideas about that myself. So we'll be sharing that. And we'll be talking a little bit more about Texas. Of course, you know, that's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so stay with us. And don't forget, it's dannysessoms.com and Kathy Craffy, K-R-A-F-V-E.com, where you can find truth with a Texas twang. We'll be right back. We don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio, so stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. You ought to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door and the next house over is a grocery store. Hi, this is Kathy. As women, we have a lot to ponder, but even the toughest topics are easier when we open up authentically and share our tenderest wisdom with each other. During this break, I want to mention a special way you can help other women. You can sign up for our blog and share it with your friends. Our podcasts are designed to create tools to talk about the toughest topics at home or at work. You can help by going to Kathy Craffy, C-A-T-H-Y-K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Edward, dot com. We hope you love sharing these conversational adventures as much as we love bringing in experts to tell their stories and share their wisdom. Truth with a Texas twang spoken here. My parents are getting older and I want to be there to help. But sometimes I spend more time taking care of them than my own family. It's starting to put pressure on my marriage, and I feel like I'm ignoring my kids. My parents need help. I need help. My mom wants to stay at home, but she honestly can't handle it on her own anymore. I've been taking care of her, but I just want to be her daughter again. I know mom feels the same way. I'm not sure where to turn. If you're struggling to care for your parents, you're not alone. Home Instead Senior Care can help. With personalized service and a personal touch, our caregivers will help your parents stay in the place they call home. Home Instead Senior Care. To us, it's personal. to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Hey, welcome back. We're talking with Danny Sessoms. He is a scholar, a doctorate, and he is an amazing storyteller himself, and he's been sharing how we can instill this love of history in the hearts of our children and why it's important. Danny, you mentioned humor and just being having fun with history with your kids. Uh, you mentioned re, we talked about reenacting, and and you even did the accent. So you're now you're appealing to kids that are audio and also visual because you wear a costume with that. 
I know you spent lots of time in museums. So there's about half a dozen different ways already. I would throw in music. But while we were at the break, and this happens to me so much on this show, people always share some really big big idea, some really juicy nugget during the break. And you did that. So I'm going to ask you to just repeat what you said. Why is it so important for us to give our kids a love of history? Well, let's use an analogy to emphasize this or dramatize it. Every day, every decision that you or I make or the rest of the world is based on our collective histories. Okay, our education, our relationships with people, our physical appearance, etc. So it's no different when we study our society from a historical standpoint because all of the things that we did in the past are what has propelled us to where we are today. We use the term relevant. How do we make things relate to who we are? And again, we, I challenged all my students, and I taught mostly in public colleges and universities, where a lot of times the students, they're, they're the first ones in their family to ever get to go to college, which was exactly my case. Yeah, and it's interesting. Teach them on that level and say, relate to history through me. Here's what I went through. Here's what I decided to become, and here's how I made that possible. Wow. So that's interesting. So what you're saying is when we talk to our children about history, if they don't see how it's relevant to them, then we've really done them a disservice. And, I, and I, gosh, Danny, don't you know adults? I have adults tell me all the time, well, I never did very well in history. And like me, maybe they're like me and they couldn't remember the, the numbers that, that meant, you know, that were the dates. You know, one of my things is, Danny, I learned to go to the museum, find the portraits from that era so that I could get a sense of what the fashion was. And that helped me remember who was in history at that era, because then I would see their pictures in my textbooks and remember, oh, that's right. The, that was during the time of the revolution and the French had a very similar style of clothing and wigs and so forth. And they were influencing the globe with their fashion. So that that's actually a kind of a crazy way I learned to remember what the 1700s looked like and who was in that era. I couldn't remember the numbers. Well, I'll tell you what, museums, if you will conceive of it this way, are much akin to a laboratory science. If you took zoology, you wanted to get in the laboratory and handle those animals or handle those plants, the same thing in geology or whatever it might be, well, on a university, we would always have the museum as, uh, in essence, the laboratory of what we're teaching in the curriculum courses at the university level. And so it was my privilege to have built some really first-rate museums over a 35-and-a-half-year time span in, excuse me, in Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. And some of them, like Museum of the Gulf Coast in Port Arthur, that enamored with still the Museum of Southern History and at Houston Baptist University down there. Mm -hmm. uh, I can look back on and say, that's my transference to future generations. 
I love that. I'm so grateful for the work you did to make that happen. I personally love museums. I think they're so fun, but probably because I'm a visual learner. So I go in there and I can see and read and, and, and feel that whole era around me. And that really helps me remember it and engage with. And, and I think that matters back to your point, your original point, which is if our kids don't understand how history relates to us now, then it's very difficult for them to be interested. It seems like something irrelevant. It reminds me of how kids always say, well, I'm never going to use this math again in the future. And then lo and behold, you can't even go to the grocery store without using that math. So um, to me, history is a little that way, too. So tell me, what are some tips you have for helping your kids see that this isn't just some story from the past, but it really relates to us today? Well, let's talk about it from an educational and from an opportunity standpoint. In the museum I did in Port Angeles, the Gulf Coast Museum, I had a raised platform just at the height and level of about a second grader, and we took some replicas of fossils from the Paleozoic and embedded them in a matrix of ground-up rubber tires to simulate sand, and we'd go down and buy little bitty paintbrushes and pooper scoopers like you'd use in your yard for your pets, and we would allow these kids to dig through the horizon carefully to uncover these fossils. Yeah. Were we trying to communicate with them? Well, these fossils that we would bury, when they lived on the face of the earth, they didn't live long in millions of years, but they spread all over the surface of the earth. So no matter where you dig down into the horizon, when you would hit a Thacops Rena or an Elrathia King Eye, you knew exactly where you were, and where you were was right where the majority of the coal and the coal and the petroleum and the sulfur and the brine or salt water exist in our subsurface world that powers who we are and makes possible the living that we have. Wow. Wow, I just want you to come over and do, my kids are all grown now, but I want you to come over and do something for my grandkids. <laughs> that is so fun. Okay, so I'm a mom and I can take my kids to the museum. I can dress up in costume. I know homeschoolers do this kind of stuff all the time, but I'm sending my kids to school and it's not going well. My kids are coming home from school and they had a history class. Like you said earlier, some people don't teach that in a way that engages the kids' imagination. What would you suggest to that mom that she do to help her baby? Well, the same thing you can do in that laboratory called a museum, you can do at your home. You can get the books. You can get the literature. You can watch TV, and you can see the History Channel. You can go to PBS, and you can emulate or copy, if you would, extrapolate and put into your child's homeschool curriculum something that oftentimes will not only augment, but will perpetually confirm to that child the need to know that. Why is there a relevance to what we're teaching as a parent or in a church environment or in our colleges and universities and our public schools and private charter schools that is important for them to know, not for the right now, but when they, down the road, need to pull that arrow out of the quiver and put it on their bow and shoot it. 
That's so interesting. And you're doing so much of that yourself personally because of the documentary that you're working toward in order to capture this whole segment of history that you've documented in your books about Texas history. And now you're working on a documentary and that will that'll be like such a nice complimentary thing for for families too. I love it that you've devoted your life to this because it is one of my passions. I can hardly talk about this without salivating. I love history so much, and I'm so grateful for what you've done to document it. I know that is not an easy task. Danny, um, so what you're really saying is, if I understand you right, see if this is correct. For families that are discouraged or disheartened, when their children come home and say they don't like history, what you're saying is if mom or dad or both or grandparents, if we engage and pick up a book to read out loud or find a museum or bring home a documentary film, doing those things conveys to our children how important we think history is ourselves. And so we're setting the example. We have about three minutes to summarize. What Am I on the right track? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right, and I'm going to use a modern-day expression to, to confirm just exactly what we've been talking about. If your child plugs in a hair dryer at the house and it doesn't work, that child or you have to figure out why is it not working. Now, it may be that you have a ground fault mechanism that all you have to do is learn to push with a knife or a screwdriver, a button to reconnect that circuit so that you can plug it in and make the appliance work. But oftentimes, you have to go far beyond that. You have to go out to the circuit panel out in the garage or on the back of the house, and you have to find out, did a circuit outside kick? Because that means that there's something far more important that's going wrong in that electrical system than a mere line plug on the wall not working. Gotcha. And then when people in our society go out and all of the lights are off in all of our communities, we've got to figure out now how are we going to get that back on? And in the wow. final, just if you're an intelligent person, and I'm not, I don't profess to be an erudite individual, but if, if something were to happen with something that you and I need, want, and desire on an everyday basis, how can I ensure that I've got it, and what alternate plan can I make to make sure that I can continue whatever I want to do? So it might be getting me a, a gas-powered electrical generator to give me a temporary pass on my electricity until the line company gets the poles up and the power back to my house restored, or it may go beyond that, or it may go to me having to figure out how can I use firewood, charcoal briquettes, kerosene, etc. all of these things that a previous generation used to have to heat their home by, if it actually comes to the point where my survival is incumbent on my knowledge of how to use these things. Wow. So what you're saying is not only is it important, but when we look, I mean, I thought you were talking figuratively when the light goes out and we're not passing on our values, but you're really saying even for the physical well-being and survival of the species, we got to know our history. Danny, I wish we had more time. I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. Now, for my listening friends, don't forget, Danny Sessoms. 
thank you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. Oh, Got in.